Hi, and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, open-minded, spirit-filled, non-denominational church who now meet each week in Hollywood Adventist on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Van Ness in Los Angeles. In-person church life, as with the rest of life, is going to take a while to find its shape again post-Covid and slowly and surely is going to be our mantra for a while. All these podcasts are taken for the time being from our Sunday services, hence the not always perfect audio quality and background noises. You can live stream them or watch the videos later on bread.church if that's more your thing. How to return is the theme of the current series. We hope it serves you well. Good evening. Hello, welcome, happy Christmas. Isn't it a wonderful time of the year? I hope you're doing all right. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Ed, and along with Hannah, I lead the church that meets here, bread, every Sunday. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of warble on about a few things, but not for very long. Mainly, I'm going to warble on about Christmas. That seems appropriate. Are you excited? You sound it. (laughs) Now, if Christmas means anything, and I say this as a trained, ordained priest, I say it as a follower of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, the divine made man, born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. If Christmas means anything, to me it means shopping. Specifically, it means shopping online. And it means desperately, desperately hoping that all the things that I've ordered online will actually, actually be delivered on time. And it means a great deal of uncertainty surrounding that. Two weeks ago, I ordered the outdoor banners advertising this very service and the wonderful toy giveaway that just happened that are hanging outside the church. I ordered them two weeks ago. I ordered them from a reputable company. When I ordered them, I chose one-day turnaround and expedited delivery. Because even though it was two weeks ago, and they have plenty of time to arrive, I am no fool. And I know that this is not my first Christmas online ordering rodeo. The banners were supposed to arrive two days after I ordered them. They did not. Three days after I ordered them, they did not. Eleven days after I ordered them, they had not arrived. I called the company. I spent some time on hold. I spent some time being cut off and then being put back on hold. I spent some time hitting every single digit on the keypad, hoping that one, one would put me through to a sentient, actual, real human being, but it did not. I got an automated reply when I emailed. The automated reply asked me to fill out a survey. I didn't really want to fill out a survey, but actually this survey I thought I'm going to fill out because I've got some constructive criticism to give you. Finally, I got an email from Mary. Mary apologized for the delay and informed me that due to supply shortages, 
the banners hadn't yet been printed. She then asked me a slightly curious question. Mary asked me this, would I still like to have the banners printed and then delivered if they could only be delivered after the event which they were advertising? I replied to this email, Dear Mary, thank you for letting me know the status of the banners I ordered two weeks ago. I put that in uppercase. The reason for ordering those banners two weeks ago, I put that in uppercase again, was so that they could be delivered before, uppercase, the date of the event which they are due to promote. I'm curious, Mary, as to why you would think I would still want the banners if they arrived after this date, are you questioning that this event actually even exists at all? Or do you think I may be some sort of strange banner hoarder with a fetish for ordering banners for events that aren't real at all but only exist in my very strange banner-loving imagination? Or... Is there some sort of black market for banners printed for events that don't and never will happen? And do I not know about this black market? And if it exists, what sort of premium do you think would two bread, toy giveaway and Christmas service banners for events that don't actually exist command? And can you put me in touch with a buyer? I wrote all this in my email to Mary, and then I said, maybe, though, there are secondary uses of banners that I don't know about that would make it worthwhile me ordering a banner for an event that has passed. Are they, for instance, usable as a kite? Mary didn't answer any of those questions. Instead, Brian, her manager, emailed me to say they were pushing my order through and it should be with me tomorrow, and it was. I'm not very good with uncertainty. How are you? Because there's quite a fair bit of uncertainty going around, isn't there? And most of it is far more serious than delays with online shopping. The truth is, actually, as a human species, we are really not very good with uncertainty at all. Our brains will pick all sorts of little tricks that they can play on us to try to avoid it because uncertainty tends to create anxiety and anxiety makes us behave in quite weird ways. And so is it any surprise when a new COVID variant is discovered? After a period of relative calm, uncertainty rears its horrible, ugly, unwelcome head again and people start acting weird. On my Twitter feed, I was reliably informed that the whole COVID thing is in fact, without a doubt, now proven emphatically to be a massive hoax, because look, Delta, Omicron, it's an anagram of media control. So there you have it, case closed. You can't argue, of course, with anagrams. Although there are some other anagrams of Delta Omicron, such as clarinet doom, and erotic almond, and moron dialect, which suggests that perhaps the anagram theory isn't as watertight as it was first appearing. 
We get a bit weird when we're anxious, especially if things we've put our faith in don't seem to be working as they once did. In the light of worldviews being shaken, it's tempting to do one of two extremes. Either our brains tell us to double down on certainty. I can't be wrong, so I must, despite all evidence, be even more right than anyone could possibly imagine. Or our brains tell us to dismantle the whole edifice our beliefs are built upon until there's nothing left at all. So how are you dealing with uncertainty? When it comes to faith, this whole Christmas Christian thing, for many, what's become apparent is that the life-changing power of Jesus is actually not as certain as some other things that they would like to hold on to. And so they stick with what they are certain they want to hold on to forever. Be that which books should or should not be put in schools. Who's allowed to use this or that bathroom? Who you're allowed to love? And who is and who is not going to be making it to heaven? And those positions get louder and louder and louder the more anxious we all become. And so it's enough to make other people think that maybe ditching the whole shebang is more worthwhile. A few weeks ago, someone approached me with a great deal of anxiety, saying that despite the fact that she'd been raised as a Christian, despite going to church all her life, she never thought about this thing before. But now she was thinking, thinking about it all the time, and it was causing her huge distress, and I could tell from the way she was speaking. And the thing that was causing her so much distress was, how on earth did all the animals fit on the ark? It's impossible. There is no boat big enough. How did that work? And what about the fish? Did they stay in the sea? And the birds, did they get to fly around? And dinosaurs. And she was shook. And she said, I think it means I can't be a Christian anymore. I said to her, that's very understandable. It was just a very big boat. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said, that's understandable. But it sounds more like you can't believe in the literal truth of Noah's Ark rather than you can't believe in and follow Jesus of Nazareth anymore. The two can, are, and most certainly must be mutually exclusive. I said it slightly kinder than that. And yet it's a difficult step, isn't it? Being uncertain about anything, especially in uncertain times, especially if you've been brought up being told that everything should always be certain, it's not particularly comforting to be met with more uncertainty. And at least you know where you stand with full-blown, well, of course, none of it's true, is it? I rejected the faith of my parents, as many of you know, in my early 20s. I found it restrictive and judgmental and at times extremely boring. And so I ended up really believing in nothing, which was actually a huge relief compared to believing in something I thought to be joyless and inconsistent and worse angry and very dangerous. 
But one night I had a dream and I woke up in a cold sweat and it was like I could hear a voice in the room with me and have no experience of anything like this before. And the voice asked me a question and it said, Ed, what are you doing with your life? A question to which I had no answer. And it shook me to the core. You see, in the end, we've all got to have something to get out of bed for in the morning. So I did. I got out of bed the next morning for something. I didn't know what it was. And I found a proper church, one unlike any I had ever been to before, where there was life and joy and wonder and thoughtfulness and welcome and intelligence. But most importantly, there was something beyond. There was something transcendent. There was something supernatural and otherworldly about this place. I couldn't put my finger on it. I hadn't experienced it before, but I knew it was there and I wanted it. This wasn't just some kind-hearted people coming together and building a beautiful community, although that was clearly there and it was clearly important, but this was something much, 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 much more. They were meeting with a real God in tangible, life-affecting ways. And as I walked through the door, I burst into tears. And then I began to meet him too, time after time, as I continue to do so now. Because Jesus, God, in him, has entered a broken, uncertain world with all its violence and distrust. And he's come so close that humans could touch his hands and see his eyes and listen to his voice and feel his breath. And by his spirit, you and me, right here, right now, can hear him and feel him and meet him too, even more closely. Amongst all the distractions of the peripheral beliefs making their way into the mainstream, the creeping skepticism, the worries and the doubts, it's the figure of Jesus Christ that proves very, very difficult to jettison entirely. As history has found, it's kind of impossible to kill him off once and for all. People have tried. He just keeps remaining, resurrecting not forcing himself on anyone, but quietly, emphatically being born of a virgin, making his home amongst us in all our self-related nonsense and refusing to disappear off into the shadows. Albert Einstein, who described himself as an agnostic, nevertheless said this, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phrasemongers. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates every word. No myth is filled with such life. Has there ever been anyone in history quite like Jesus of Nazareth? Divine and driven, but not detached. Gentle, but not weak. Self-confident, but not self-related. Free, but not feckless. Powerful, but not oppressive. Kind, but not codependent. A leader, but not a dictator. 
a servant but not a submissive. Jesus is just too colossal to be done with forever. His beauty is too luminous to be consigned to the outskirts of our experience. Instead, he shines like a star at the very center of all history. And he says, come, come and see today in the town of David, a savior has been born and he is the Messiah, the Lord. He will not let himself be pushed to the periphery. And deep down, I believe none of us actually want him to be. We know we need him too much. We know we need his love. We know we need his direction. We know in a deeply uncertain world, we need the King of Kings. At this church, what we seek to do, in a sort of flawed, slightly haphazard, but well-meaning way, is not simply believe the right things about Jesus. It's not simply do what it means to follow him. But what we seek to do is meet with the living God, week after week and day after day, and to allow him to be Lord. Now, I can give all of us countless historical, logical, emotional, rational arguments for believing in Jesus. Putting faith in him is not some sort of blind punt on a hazy myth. And these arguments, of course, can be helpful in building stronger faith, but no argument will change someone's life. As Matthew reports in his gospel, when the resurrected Jesus meets his disciples, still, even then, some doubted. Jesus did not take on flesh so we could be convinced by him. He did it so that we could meet with him. And this is the ultimate purpose of all human existence. It's why we're here. Not just to meet with him, but also to have the courage to allow him to meet with us. To invite his kingly power in to change us from the inside out. We can bring all our doubts and fears, all our uncertainty. We can bring all our hopes and expectations. We can bring all our history. Everything good, bad, and ugly all our wonderfully self-related ability to see the wrong in everyone else, but be so unwilling to admit our own needs for grace, for forgiveness, for a kind word, for love. And if we let him, he will heal us and change us and stretch us and challenge us and fill us with his power and his goodness. That is what church is all about. Everything else is just playing a game. It's what we try to aim to do here because it's what Jesus wants to do and the whole reason for Christmas. Do not be afraid, says the angel to Mary. Do not be afraid, says the angel to the shepherds. And do not be afraid, the angels say to us, to you. Don't be afraid about the state of the world. Don't be afraid about the state of the church. Do not be afraid about the state of your faith, of your past, of your present, of your future. Do not be afraid of all your questions and doubts and uncertainties. Do not be afraid because Jesus is here. 
let us instead welcome him. Let us worship him and let us meet with him now and ongoingly because everything else is secondary. Amen.